Welcome to the Mammoth Gamecast for the week of August 7, 2017. I'm one of your hosts, Nightform, and with me as always, Filtercord. Hey. How's it been going, man? It's been going. Um, yeah, I've been uh, kind of getting a chance to check out uh, Fortnite a little bit, and uh, of course there's like 500 movies I have to go see at some point soon here. So uh, yeah, what's yeah. been going on with you? Uh, not too much. Pretty much uh, same old, same old. Um, Fortnite, of course. Right. Um, we've kind of been doing that a little bit um, with some other... MGI friends Mm -hmm. as well um still messing around a little bit here and there with Final Fantasy uh I jumped into a little bit of Overwatch you know checking out Doomfist and uh in preparation for some of the new stuff that's coming up with that but we'll get into that here in a bit Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah with uh you know with that being said, I guess let's just jump right into uh, what some of the cool stuff that we have, uh, like sales-wise and whatnot, yeah. running around um, the internet. Well, there's a couple things. Um, I kind of specifically wanted to call out uh, on Humble Bundle right now. There's the uh, Game Maker Studio Bundle. Um, mm-hmm. That's including uh, quite a lot of stuff. So let me let me look to be specific here, but. Um, basically it's, uh, some games and actual, uh, you know, like license keys for the Game Maker Studio, uh, software. So, um, anybody who doesn't know, there's, there's been some pretty cool stuff made with, uh, Game Maker. Uh, I actually know a couple people who work, uh, kind of extensively with Game Maker. And, um, basically this bundle is, uh, like the, the cheapest pay what you want section of the bundle. Uh, gives you the Game Maker Studio 1.4 Pro key, um, so that's just mm-hmm. you know full access to that. You don't have to, you know, pay a monthly fee. It's not just a one-year license. You just permanently unlock, uh, you know, Game Maker Studio with that. Um, and then you get several games that have been made with Game Maker, and uh, a few of those actually have the source code built in. So that way you can kind of, you know, open that particular game and you know see the code that the developers used how they made it um you know whatever platform it's on you can kind of see how to build for that platform and you can maybe mod or you know mess around in that original game's code which i mean that's just amazing uh that's it's hard to get that kind of resource um and then uh and it looks like there's a few a few good ones in here uh that i've played like i've played home uh okay home was pretty cool i've heard uncanny valley is really good yeah, Uncanny Valley. Uh, I never got a chance to play Uncanny Valley though. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so, yeah that's pretty cool. Um, and then um, as the, uh, you know, as you as you pay these these higher, you know, either beat the average or pay fifteen or more, uh, you get keys mm-hmm. for like the different Game Maker Studio modules. So like one is HTML five, so like, uh, you know, web integrated uh, games, and then um, you can actually get. Uh, the iOS, Android, and uh, Windows Phone or the Windows Mobile platform uh, keys as well, and those normally are, you know, two or three hundred bucks each, and you can get all of them for fifteen dollars. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a great deal if you're looking to get into uh, Game Maker for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the stuff being ridiculously expensive. I mean, they're yeah. showing it here at the bottom of what this stuff like retails for. Um, the HTML5, 150, uh, Android, 299, iOS, 299, and then Windows, 799. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. And also, why would Pretty you pay $800 to deploy to something that has, like, 70 built-in users? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure. And I'm you were sure two of them. You... UWP includes. Uh, you were two of them. So and, they're yeah. down to, like, six people now. These poor guys. Oh, poor rough. bastards. But cool. That's uh, some of the Humble Bundle stuff that they have going on. Mm-hmm. When is that ending? Uh, they still got several days on it. I know there's another one they're running that's going to end before this uh, podcast actually goes up. So, yeah, this one's going to be running until uh, until this podcast, you know, be going until the podcast goes up fully. Um, it's running for uh, just over ten more days. So, yep, should be plenty of time. Get time for that one. Yeah, cool. Uh, but before I guess before we go any further, uh, you know, there's always those things that. I forget while I'm starting this. If you guys get a chance, head over to facebook.com backslash mammothgamesinc. Check out all the top news and video game stuff that matters. Um, it's a good way to keep up with us on the daily. Let's us know. Um, let's, it can let you know when we stream, but the best way to know that is to follow us on Twitter at mm-hmm. uh, Inc. Tweet there every single time we, uh, we go live. But uh, back on uh, the Facebook page, you can also get access to uh, all of the games with gold and PlayStation Plus, or well, PlayStation Plus stuff, not games with gold. Um, you can get access to that early, so you know what's coming out when and when it ends, um, and more. You get access to even our podcast, so it can remind you. Uh, so go give us a like, all the likes, comments, shares, follows, subscribes, and more are appreciated. And if you're watching this live on Twitch.tv, uh, same thing goes. You know. Yep. We appreciate the likes, comments, shares. If you guys have anything you want to say, feel free to uh, pop in and say it. Um, we are listening. So, uh, but uh, yeah, with uh, with that, we'll go ahead and move forward. The other cool thing that we had, uh, we found kind of browsing around. Right now, if you have uh, a you know, PlayStation or Xbox and you either have Live or PlayStation Plus, you can try Ghost Recon Wildlands for free. They have a five-hour cap uh, of playtime, so you can check out five hours of play, uh, I assume, from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, of Ghost Recon Wildlands. Um, the trial is a 60-gigabyte uh, download, so it's Damn. the full thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's the full thing, but... Uh, you know, if you play it, you like it, and you want uh, more of it, you can always, I believe, buy it, and then you don't have to download anything else. It should all just be like mm. it should just be like an unlock, I imagine. Right. So, um, and you'll have access to uh, um, a few of the cool other things rather than just the competitive stuff. So, yeah, get out there if you were interested in it. Now's a good time to grab that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and move right into um, some of the big releases uh, coming up here. Um, So so yeah, um, actually, this will be for, um, yeah, this will be for uh, the games that have already released from this past week, so July 30th to um, actually the next couple days here for us, recording a little early on uh, August, up through August 6th. So, Mm -hmm. um... Specifically, I've I've played uh, a couple of these, so um, I do want to call out uh, the Long Dark. Uh, this was uh, actually all of these. I think all came out on the uh, August first. But um, yeah, the Long Dark is kind of a uh, it's like a first person survival game. It's not um, 
if you had to read the book Hatchet in, mm-hmm. I don't know, like third, fourth, fifth grade, something like that, uh, it's basically Hatchet the game. You are, um, you know, you, you crash landed in the kind of northern Canadian wilderness. There are wolves, there's bears, oh my, all kinds of stuff going on with that. <laughs> and um, it, it's not like, uh, it's not a super harsh survival game. But it does have the added in, like, you get extremely cold extremely fast. And uh, you'll kind of stumble across, like, um, you know, like a, a deer that's partially frozen or buried by the snow. And it, you have to, like, get something to thaw the meat out. Or you have to, like, break chunks away with, like, an axe and take it back to a fire to warm up. A lot of the game is spent, um, you know, cooking is extra important when you're in, a, like, a sub-zero environment. Because if it's cold and you're eating ice, you're going to get cold. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting and, uh, it's kind of, it has a unique, I think, visual style. It's very, um, almost like impressionist art. It's, it's very like dreamy looking and some of these environments are just gorgeous, uh, as you look at them. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I've been Uh, playing it on PC for a while, yeah. Yeah, watching the, uh, trailer right now, if you're watching live, Mm -hmm. um, if not podcast, go, you know, go check it out. Um, it's, a the art style is very low, but it's done in a super smart way. Yeah, it's almost that uh, make it like strong. Yeah, it's like a it's like a slightly more realistic version of what Telltale Games does a lot. Right. Um, and I think from what I remember, it's a team of ex Bioware developers uh, that split mm-hmm. off to make this. Um, and I actually oh, right. like right. as we are watching the no, Tinder. Uh, what was that? I was like, I, I thought it was one company, but it's uh, Hinterland Studios. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as we're watching this, actually, um, in the I guess alpha, like early access version of the game I've been playing, there has not been any story released at all. So oh. um, all of this story-based content is totally new to me that that I'm seeing in this trailer. So. Um, okay. Yeah. It's uh, a. Yeah. Um, it looks like, you know, it's been out for a bit, but. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much coming, you know, fully released here on the fit or on the right. first. So, right. um, yeah, go check that out. That that game looks fantastic. What would you uh, compare it to? Um, I don't I don't play a lot of survival games, so I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, it's definitely not a don't starve. Um, right. How like how linear would you? Oh, when I was it, playing, it, it was entirely sandbox. There was no story whatsoever. Um, oh, okay. I never so even it, saw another living human in my playtime. Uh, what was that game? Um, Firewatch? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, it's kind of got like a Firewatch feel a little bit. Um, kind of the, okay. you know, the you inhabit a real, you know, normal behaving human body. Um, mm-hmm. So it was definitely a Firewatchy while I was playing it just because there was, you know, it was just a, a world. There weren't any other right. people, so... That's a good comparison. Okay, cool. Yeah, that game looks good. Um, look it up. It's the longest start coming out PS4, Xbox One, and uh, it's been early access on PC, but mm-hmm. fully released now. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, up next, we have a fan favorite, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Patapon Remastered. Um, people love Patapon. Like, uh, Greg Miller from used to be on IGN, now does kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, huge Patapon fan. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was listening to his podcast, a podcast the other day that he wasn't even part of. 
he wasn't even part of the stream this morning show because he was doing the Games Daily show that was on after mm-hmm. uh, on Kind of Funny. And uh, he ran in and he was just fully screaming, stop the press. They have pat upon uh, gifts, or not, not gifts, um, stickers for mm-hmm. your phone. And everyone thought it was like, like, oh shit, here comes... You know, some crazy, horrible disaster that Greg Miller wants us to break the news for live on live on stream. Nope, he was just losing his shit over Patapon. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, Patapon is the rhythm god game, basically. You control some tribal warriors who do actions depending on your inputs. Um, you know, you press, uh, you know, square, triangle. They all have different, um, I believe, drum types. And, yeah... That's pretty much the game. You progress them forward, and it causes them to do different actions. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got into Patapon, but I, 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 I know a lot of people who are, you know, just really into that rhythm type game. Mm-hmm. So, and this is kind of, I think, one of the biggest. It's definitely the biggest Sony rhythm game that they've got. So, yeah, it was a big hit on the. I, I played the first one on the uh, PSP. PSP. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty cool game, and it's I'm I'm really glad that some of the stuff that has kind of either didn't find an audience because of the system it was on, or you know when it came out or whatever, kind of has a chance to be remastered and brought back like this. So um, right, definitely if you're a fan of rhythm games, um, just kind of the Sony quirky kind of weird games they get made sometimes. Uh, it's definitely something to check out. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and I, you can grab that one on. Uh, yeah, I think it's just PS4. I'm not sure if it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not Vita. sure. Not sure. About Might that. be in the future. Might be in the future. Yeah. Well, cool. Right. Uh, up next, I'll let you go ahead and take this since you've actually been playing it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've I've gotten a chance to play. Um, I'm probably like maybe two three hours into uh, Tacoma which is uh, the next game from the company Fulbright that made Gone Home, which was, I think, uh, pretty universally a massive hit. Um, mm-hmm. it basically, it this is um, the same ideas of Gone Home. Uh, this is set on a space station, uh, which has... Uh, originally, it had a human crew of six and an AI that kind of did everything, and the crew was just kind of there to monitor and you know, make the human decisions that need to be made that it, you just can't trust the AI to do on its own. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, from just what I've seen of it so far, it's very interesting. I mean, it, basically you play these games for the world. This is kind of like the, um, these are like the the uh, golden children of the walking simulator genre. So um, you're doing a lot of, well, in this, you know, zero G, so you're doing some floating. So it's a floating simulator. <laughs> But, uh, nice. yeah, you're, you're kind of, there are like these VR, um, kind of like echoes of people that the ship AI or the, uh, station AI captured of what the different crew members were doing in their conversation. And maybe they're like VR, uh, or I guess AR, um, like heads up display screens that they could bring up at any time and things like that. Um, so you'll like wander into a new area. Like maybe you'll go into like biomedical and there'll be a recording of what the team medic was doing and then somebody walks in and you kind of ask them what was going on with them but the recording captures in a very wide area so 
uh, it'll bring in, like, maybe you're looking at the medic talking to someone, but then somebody walks in through the door, and you can go track them back to the beginning of the recording and see where they came from and what they were doing before they walked over there. And a lot of the people nice. actually will isolate and just kind of talk to the AI because they, they don't want to tell people, um, you know, necessarily what's going on. So right. uh, that's that's super uh, interesting. And it's just kind of like um, get in other get your nose in other people's business simulator in space. <laughs> so uh, it's really it's really uh, it's really cool so far. And it's kind of building up an interesting story and also kind of like gone home. Um, they're setting up a few threads that they kind of mention in each different section of the uh, lunar uh, station or this. Uh, it's basically a waypoint between Earth and a moon colony, so the lunar transfer station. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. And like the main idea is that, as far as the company knows, something went very wrong with the AI, and you're sent to like take the AI's like you're downloading the AI, everything the AI remembers. And then taking the physical AI core. So, um, from what I've seen so far, the AI seems fine. So it's they're they're building up to like that's the core conceit, and they just give that to you right away. And then other little threads are getting woven in as I play through it. Hmm. Nice. I, I noticed in the beginning of this uh, launch day trailer that we've been showing mm -hmm. um, that the character does some sort of almost like sign language. Uh -huh. Signing? Yeah, to communicate with the uh, AI. Um, it's okay. possible that your character is just mute. Um, mm -hmm. Your character can obviously hear because, I mean, I guess you as the player are listening to this and the conceit, I, you know, it has to be that your character is sitting there listening also because there's no mouth yeah. movements. You can't, like, read lips or anything. But, uh, yeah, everybody else talks to their... Uh, you know, talks to the AI or talks to their VR platform that they're interacting with or whatever. But uh, your character does signs. So it might be to try to preserve, like, the AI might be trying to record you as you're running around trying to retrieve it. So you might not necessarily want it to record your voice because that might throw off its info. So, you know, you're doing this signing maybe to preserve the uh, quality of oh, the recording yeah. or whatever. Um, they haven't really delved, in, okay. delved into that, so I think your character is just mute. Interesting. Okay. And I think, uh, yeah, that... you know, the signing is better. You know, like the silent protagonist thing, like signing is better yeah. than just not ever having them do anything at all. So Definitely. Cool. Um, and that one is uh, Tacoma. It's on yep, Xbox, Xbox one, one and PC. PC right now. Uh, so if you loved Gone Home... Definitely, definitely grab that. Yeah, and it's also got a little bit of, like, in Prey, uh, the scenes where you looked through the uh, looking glass software or whatever. Uh, it's kind of got that kind of feeling, too, where you can kind of, like, get different angles on things and see different, you know, events unfolding depending on where you are. Right, right. Nice. Uh, cool. Uh, up next is a video I forgot to place in here, but I have it now. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this... Uh -oh. um, it's well, from we're good to go. uh yeah it's from uh the company that made the um Blackguard games it's a german company called Datalik Entertainment uh this game is Shadow Tactics Blades of the Shogun um it just came out on PS4 so this has been out already on uh Steam I guess since late December but uh it did pretty well there and it's it's now um you know digitally released I think it's only digital on 
uh, PS4. So it's like a tactics uh, stealth strategy game. Um, it seems really interesting. I'm not sure um, if I'll end up diving into this one. Like Blackguards was something that I ended up getting uh, Blackguards 1 and 2 and Humble Bundles. So I got them like right. three or four years late after they came out. And they're good games. Um, so I, I'm not sure how well Stealth would play on this. Uh, but just from watching these gameplay trailers, it seems really interesting. And, you know, it's another yeah. game set in that kind of the Edo period. Um, looks really interesting. Yeah, it looks super interesting. The um, Just the style of game. I could see how it could be how it could be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know what you mean. I don't know if it'll be something that I would... Uh, that I would jump into mm-hmm. immediately. It's not like I'm, something I'm clamoring for. But uh, what day did this one drop? Oh, that on came PS4? out on the first also. On the first as well? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, you know, if it is something that sounds interesting to you, that um, a highly stealth kind of game, I mean, definitely so, go... Uh, uh, like, I can't think of another tactic style. I and mean, when I say tactics, I mean, like, Final Fantasy tactics. Or maybe yeah. Fire Emblem or whatever. I can't think of something like that that was stealth-based. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a unique premise. I think that might have hurt them, just because it's like, you know, I've invented an, eight, an eighth-person shooter. Like, what does that even mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah, what what is that? <laughs> like, you control a guy watching another guy shoot up a school or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's just hard to understand what it is. And that's copyrighted. Nobody take that. Yeah, that's... that's OC, do not that. steal... Uh, All right, so uh, yeah, Shadow Tactics, ta- Shadow Tactics, Blades of the Shogun, uh, out on PS4 now. Yep. Cool. Uh, the next thing I want to jump into, uh, it was actually I probably should have jumped into this uh, a second ago, mm-hmm. but uh, actually before that, um, I'm sure there's probably a few things that we missed. So let us know, facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. Yeah. Shoot us a line over on Twitter if you find a game that we missed that you think should have been uh, should have been featured. And uh, yeah, if, if we if we think so and and you you really think so as well and you shoot us that line, uh, it's pretty likely that we could pop it into the next uh, next stream. You know, you calling us out on our bullshit of missing a game that's actually really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, drop us a line and let us know. Um, but yeah, up next, I wanted to point out that there is the sign-up for the next PS4 uh, system software update, uh, system software update 5. Um, all you have to do is, you know, have your have your PS4, have your, uh, you know, of course, internet connection, and be 18 or older, and you can, uh, you can jump in on that and see all the new features. Um, low rumblings of some cool stuff being added uh, for the first time in a long time. I heard someone mention uh, the possibility of maybe changing your PSN name, um, which I haven't heard in a little bit. Like, people are always, like, saying, why can't we do this? So, who knows? This could be, you know, could be the patch that allows that to happen, and they've just been holding off on it. So, um, but, yeah, if that's something that you're interested in, just head on over to uh, uh, blog.us.playstation.com and look around for the sign-up. All right. Alrighty. Um, and up next is uh, I, I don't think you've got a chance to really jump into uh, Overwatch yet. 
Um, I don't think um, you bought it. I've done right? a couple of the uh, like free weekends or whatever. Um, I right. am still kind of looking to buy it, but I'm going to have to catch it on a sale just because I'm only going to play with friends, and that's going to be few and far between with all the games coming out that I'm going to be playing multiplayer on, you know? Right, yeah. It seems like we're being hit with a lot of multiplayer games. Um, yeah. Fortnite being yep. huge already. So, But cool. Basically, uh, the reason that I'm bringing this up is the summer games are coming back, which means the return of Lucio Ball, which mm-hmm. was a favorite, uh, favorite game um, like arcade setting game. Yeah. Um, basically, the idea is uh, Rocket League, but with the character Lucio, and he can push and pull the ball in directions, um, you know, to try to score a, a goal mm-hmm. in soccer. Like, um, it's usually played three v three. So we'll see how it changes when it comes up. I didn't hear of any uh, changes to how the game is played aside from a few things that i'll mention but uh yeah the event will run for three weeks starting august 8th um and some of the changes to lucio ball is you can no longer boop your enemies he had the ability to use his uh, uh speaker gun to push the enemy out of the way and it led to a lot of people hiding behind the goalie and then booping the enemy out of the way when the ball was coming mm-hmm. um which I think was a cool tactic. I actually really like that tactic. It made it um, made it interesting. Uh, but you can no longer do that. And they also changed his alt, which used to pull the ball into Lucio wherever he was on the field when you use your ultimate ability. Um, so it would lead to people activating their ultimate ability, the ball rolling toward him, and as soon as it got close to the goalie, booping the goalie out of the way. <laughs> um, and it was a cool tactic. It was actually kind of hard to do. So it wasn't really a big deal. But they've uh, changed his ultimate ability. Instead of pulling the ball in toward wherever Lucio is, um, his alt now makes him more like superhuman. He jumps higher, moves faster. Uh, He pushes the ball harder when he boops the ball. Um, And, uh, yeah, so uh, it's a little bit different than what you'd expect uh, from Lucio Ball. Uh, As well, uh, New Sydney Stadium. Which is kind of cool, so it's not just going to be that standard old summer game stadium that we had seen over and over again. Uh, And the biggest thing is, for the three weeks you can play Lucio Ball competitively, uh, a new card will be added to the arcade that will work the same as competitive, where you play ten matches and place. And after those ten matches, uh, your rank will go up and down depending on how well you play and whether you win or lose. Um... Just for placing and doing your 10 matches, you'll get a unique Lucio Ball Spray. Uh, And then if you reach the top 500 players in Lucio Ball, Mm -hmm. uh, you get another exclusive spray. So that's kind of cool. All of the old Summer Game skins will be making a return. Uh, So if you missed out on like um, the American McCree or uh, the... Um, Rising Sun Genji outfit, you know, you can buy those. And what's really cool is those old skins will be discounted. Um, so instead of it being 3000 like you would have, like you'd purchase any new event skin, um, it's only a 1000 coins. So that's really nice. Um, you can, uh, and, and with that being said, I mean, the first time it rolled around, we couldn't actually buy the skins. Mm-hmm. We just had to win them by loot box so you will be able to buy the skins um 
and there'll be a ton of new skins. They kind of tease some stuff, uh, like a cool Junkrat skin. Um, they talked about possibly um, the guy who does all of the developer updates. He said that this Mercy skin that's coming up is his favorite skin that he's ever uh, mm-hmm. ever seen her, which is kind of crazy. She's kind of the main character I play. Uh, video we're watching, I freaking own that shirt. So <laughs> I'm a, that's a cool. pretty big fan of Mercy. Um and then for some reason during the developer update, he said he kind of teased Roadhog and saying that there's is like oh we have a really cool skin for Road no we don't have anything cool for Roadhog and I think he did it because the forms are kind of going crazy right now. Mm-hmm. Roadhog used to be a very powerful character. Well, he got uh, having a hook, he could throw his hook out, debuffed, yeah. Yeah, he can throw his hook out, grab a player, pull them in, even if they were trying to round a corner, and he can one-shot them with a shotgun blast and then a melee. Hmm. Um, they've toned him back so hard, they've made him useless. No competitive teams want to put him on their team, wow. and uh, people just generally avoid him. Um, so I wonder if him he said that because there would be a little bit of a backlash, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's fairly typical for MOBA-likes hero-based games. Um, right. Like in League of Legends, they have issues all the time where they, you know, they will they'll release a new champion or you know they'll they'll do some tweak that makes somebody extremely viable, and then they're in like every you know competitive match. Like there's always a you know X, Y, or Z. In this case, Roadhog, because Roadhog was not necessarily huge damage, but he had that ability to, like, yank people, which, right. you know, he could reach people that other people would have to try to either snipe them out of place or, you know, they were the enemy was retreating and you just had to follow them and hope you caught up. Um, so he could, like, he could displace. He could, you know, set up these really good combos. And he was a tank. So, like, he had a lot of versatility and a lot of usability, so he's just a very good, you know, unit to have on the team. And then now... Mm-hmm. And, you know, MOBAs do this all the time where they're like, oh, he's just too good. We see him too often, so we have to make him weaker. And then in the space between his the changes going into place and then people figuring out new ways to make him usable, the character's just dead for, like, usually it's, like, a couple weeks to a month. Yeah, it's been a little bit for him. They nerfed him all the way back. Uh, he used to be able to hook people, and then people would break line of sight. But as soon as that hook hit and they move behind the wall, they would get pulled around the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a big thing. People were like, that's bullshit. Why should I get pulled you know, all the way back around a wall? You know, If I was out of sight, the hook should break. And the developers mm-hmm. agreed. They're like, so when you break line of sight with him, um, and if you can manage to get on the other side of a wall, that hook breaks off. And uh, ever since then, it kind of... Uh, Kind of screwed him over a little bit. Yeah. So because we'll see what happens. Maybe he has. Um, maybe they're that that playful banter is you know them just poking fun at the fact that you know we're making Roadhog a little you know like giving him a chance again and uh, you know tweaking him to make him a little more powerful. Hmm. And the, you know the players don't know it yet. So yeah, that's possible. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much everything for the um, all the information that I have for the Overwatch Summer Games mm-hmm. uh, piece coming up. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Um, August eighth is when that'll be dropping. Mm-hmm. 
So, cool. Okay. Up next, we... Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, we have some... Uh, I guess we can uh, hopefully just kind of go into the rumor mill here. Um, yeah. There's some rumors about Last of Us 2. Um, I kind of want to see specifically what it was that uh, kind of brought this into people's minds, I guess. But... Um, yeah, so uh, there's a lot of people, uh, you know, fans are starting to think that um, Last of Us 2 is probably going to be set in Seattle, Washington. Um, people mm-hmm. are identifying some things in concept art. It's, I guess, specifically some uh, parking meters, which, I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting uh, that's... to be able to snipe that out. Yeah, um, and that's a, something that's a little... It, it could very well be, but it could very well be people... Um, looking too deep into it like well yeah you have to consider too like parking um, meters and they found one that fit and they're like i think this is the kind of parking meter that we would like to make for the game yeah and there's the idea too that's like um you know seattle is not quite as far ahead as like san francisco is but seattle is kind of on that tech cutting edge so Mm -hmm. it's totally possible that a lot of simula a lot of cities in you know this the last of us near future um it's totally possible that other cities were like hey we want a ton of those units that they have in seattle you know um right. they, this could i mean that kind of stuff just naturally is going to eventually bleed over into like portland um certainly california just because it's right there and then you know we, we could have some really interesting settings like imagine if they set this partially in like salt lake city in utah that's not very far away mm-hmm. i mean yeah, compared to what far. was the first game was uh boston and then denver and where else i don't uh, remember the last place yeah but anyways uh you know there's yeah. several locations and those are pretty far away but like boston and denver are much much closer together than i don't know like seattle and chicago so, um, and you know, people are saying that the vegetation that they've seen in some of this, uh, art kind of looks, um, you know, Western North American. So I could see okay. certainly a segment of the game taking place there. Um, yeah. Um, maybe just that piece that they're showing off, but, um, I mean, I guess that is a good eye for someone to spot out the, yeah, you know, the parking meter and the kind of foliage that is being used. Yeah. So, that's cool. That's very cool. That's fairly typical for, like, big game fans. You know what I mean? Um, right. Oh, they were in Pittsburgh also. Oh, yeah, yeah. The overpass yeah. that they were taking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Um, cool. Yeah, so I, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, go ahead. Cool. Uh, up next, I just wanted to kind of touch on uh, For Honor. Um They've revealed a few things for Season 3 that's coming up here August 15th. Uh, Gladiator and um, Highlander. I haven't really looked too, too much into it. Um, but, you know, you get new maps, new gears, ranked duels, and more. I know I have a decent amount of people on you know, my PSN friends list, and uh, I hear people talk about it every, you know, every now and again mm. that, uh, that they're really into for honor and it does have a really cool fighting style um yeah it's just ultimately it's not really for me Mm -hmm. but i understand why they're interested in it and again i do think that um you know for honor had a really steep 
uh, kind of drop off, I guess. Um, it, it, it did. It lost a lot of players after the first, I don't know, couple month or two or whatever it was. It was probably about first month, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's really its success is really important. Um, you know, it, it sold very well, and a lot of people were willing to give something new a chance, which is vital in this industry. And right. um, I, I think it's going it's going to give a lot more power to the games that come after it with kind of that unique fighting style. So specifically like kingdom come um, it's yeah. like, this is kind of setting up those kind of more particular combat styles. Uh, actually mountain blade two, um, you know, it's going to kind of be in a similar style. So it's, it's really going to allow for the more wide commercial success of some of these niche fighting, uh, you know, specifically like historical fighting games, I guess. Right. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with what um, For Honor does, um, you have different, uh, like, I, I'm not sure if it's different stands. I don't remember. I, I played it in the alpha. Mm -hmm. But um, basically when you stand, you have a, um, a low, medium, and high guard. Yep. And then you have your right and your left, and you have to block on the appropriate side that the blade is coming from. Um, or axe, or, you know, whatever they're wielding. And uh, it makes for a really interesting try to stay one step ahead of your enemy mm -hmm. type of game. Almost play. like a not quite rock paper scissors combat, but that kind of feeling. Yeah, it's like where are they going? You're taking physical cues from the animations that are happening, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and yeah, it's really cool. Um, the problem that I ran into, and it was the reason I kind of stayed away from it, um, is when I played the alpha. And I gave them an appropriate amount of feedback on the problem that I had with it. Mm -hmm. um, they they had an issue with uh, like one character being well overpowered over other characters. Yeah. And then going into the beta, I didn't see the changes. Yeah, there. From what so, I heard, uh, speed that scared me off a little bit. Um, like an increase of one percent in speed was mm -hmm. like five or six times more beneficial than an increase in 1% in any other stat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if somebody was just a little bit faster, if they could launch attacks quicker, they won. Yeah. And it seems and like it, that it, kind of carried on for too long. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't for me, but it was a fun game. Um, I, you know, I won't lie. I had a good time squaring off with a guy and then them having an enemy, you know, a second player come in and it, then it becomes a two on one situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you have to decide whether it's worth the fight or, you know, if it's time to go and, um, yeah, cool game. So look forward to, uh, um, if you are a four honor player, um, new maps, gladiator, high, um, uh, and the Highlander, um, you know, gear, rank duels, and more for season three coming August fifteenth. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, I know we did. Uh, we did lose a uh, um, a composer. I'm not sure what day that was, but um, yeah, recently. just was it uh, today or was I, it I think it was uh, yesterday, and I think it was an announcement from the day before. Um, okay. But yeah, Daniel Licht, who was uh, the composer uh, for the probably most well-known uh, the Dexter TV series. Um, he also mm -hmm. worked on Silent Hill, uh, some of the newer Silent Hill games, and he also worked on uh, Dishonored. Um, so yeah, he, he passed away the other day, uh, this week. So 
Um, you know, if you have those soundtracks, I guess, definitely rock out to that a little bit. Um, he was 60 years old, mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's still young, but that's still pretty young. that can certainly yeah. be something natural. Um, I hope it was natural and peaceful and not Great. like all these other musicians that we've had dropping like flies. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, uh, rock out to some of the cool stuff that he, uh, that he composed, you know, yeah. enjoy some of those games, watch some of those shows. Yeah, and Silent Hill. Some of those. Whew. Soundtrack. Silent Hill soundtrack is Amazing. the haunting. I mean, that's um, soundtrack of yeah. And I would say it Black actually Hill works Hill. with uh, Dishonored too. I don't know about Dexter so much, but certainly in Dishonored and Silent Hill, like I wouldn't say half, but maybe somewhere between a quarter to a third of the spooky is in the audio. So um, yeah, you know, certainly the music is a big part of that, and uh, it's gonna be yeah, a with, talent that we'll miss. Yeah, with horror games that I think. Mm-hmm you know it's probably like 20 or 30 yeah. percent of the scare is you know visual the rest of it's all audio cued mm. so yeah he'll definitely be missed and you know condolences from mgi to his family and all of that yeah. um cool uh moving right along one of the cool things that kind of uh caught me by surprise was final fantasy 15's multiplayer Mm-hmm. Um, they have a aside from them having a multiplayer, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I it was something I did not see coming even a little bit. Um, basically, what you do is you have uh, you can just set up with um, I think it's like three other people, and you can not only create your own character, but, you know, go on missions and explore. Uh, the beta is available, I believe, now for anyone who has the season pass. And I think one of the biggest lures that everyone was excited about mm-hmm. is the really super deep character creator that they have. Um, being able to basically make your character look exactly like you. Um, yeah, that's what I've heard. Everything from, you know, the arch of your brow to the height of your cheekbones to the width of your jaw you can you can tweak and make your character look as close to you as as you can um the biggest drawback is probably the hairstyle Mm. options uh it doesn't look like there's really that that many um but yeah that's typically a weakness of character creators though yeah and and, but it looks like they locked out quite a few things Mm. so you know, it could be something that we see, uh, you know, either be unlocked while playing in game, or maybe they'll just unlock it all and be like, "Here you go." Um, but if they, if if done right, um, the the facial construction is there, and even if you don't want to make you and you just want to make someone who looks badass, you know, that's always an option too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you can jump in on that and uh, and enjoy it if you have the if you have the season pass and then you can look forward to doing that, uh, down the line. Yeah. That's really when, interesting. You know, when it releases fully. So, um, look up a few videos there. I, I've seen some people that have been playing, the um, playing the beta and they have a few walkthroughs and, and more. So, um, if you're a big fan and you'd like to try that out with some other, uh, some other friends or whatever, mm. um, yeah, get in there. The biggest thing for me, I don't know, did you play 15? Uh, yeah, I played a little bit. Um, the biggest it. thing that just, it, it ruined part of the game for me is uh, 
the magic. Mm-hmm. The magic was just the worst magic system I've ever seen. In a, like, I don't know how you can mess something up that was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I understand when it's, like, um, like in uh, Demon Souls, and I think even in the, like, original Dark Souls, magic was kind of hard to use it just right, and then they improved it over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it was specifically Demon Souls, but, um, like, I don't know how you have something working and then you break it. Yeah, in in the game, if you're not familiar, um, you take items and you create grenades, and that's your magic. Mm-hmm. And that's it's so weak. It's it's yeah. not. I it came to the point where I used it. I can count the times on one hand. Well, it's not even very good. How much I used it. Yeah, and it's not even very good. And even that. If you throw one of those grenades and your party is in there, which your party will always be in the blast of the grenade, mm-hmm. they're going to take the effects too. At least two of them so will you, be. Yeah. By you throwing that grenade and damaging that one big enemy, you're already handicapping yourself mm-hmm. by losing two allies. At least two allies. Yeah. So, um, hugely broken, but, you know, if you're not even worried about magic, which, I mean,. It sucked to not have it, but yeah. you know it's not it's not a hundred percent essential to play the game. Um, the The combat is a lot of fun, actually. The visuals are just stunning. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, if you have the season pass, get out there and check out that character creator and drop us a line and let us know what you think uh, of the character creator. Uh, I'd like to hear some feedback yeah, from, for sure from some others. So. Alright. Uh, what do you want to hit right. next? Uh, why don't we hit the uh, Smash Bros. tournament? Okay. Yeah, um, so it, this is a, uh article that I kind of stumbled across on Game Informer. Um, so a site that focuses on esports, which is called Compete, uh, was reporting about the Beast 7 tournament that took place in Sweden, Super Smash Brothers tournament. Uh, it's been seven months. Uh, it's been since um, early February. Uh, the Several of the winners still have not gotten any of the money that they won. Um, That's crazy. The organizers actually said that they were skeptical that the winners are going to get paid ever um so you know it's it's uh it's kind of a problem because like smash brothers is kind of weird like nintendo doesn't officially sanction any tournaments other than the ones that they hold which are just general nintendo games tournaments um so it's not really taken seriously the same way that like street fighter or tekken or you know some of the other fighting games are taken so it's not like they can call nintendo and be like hey make these guys pay up um so you know it's either the 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 scene of like the smash bros games are either going to have to find maybe make some kind of regulating body or something that these tournaments have to go through and if they are not paying out or if they're not giving away their rewards that they you know say they're going to give away there has to be some kind of punishment there yeah, if these guys are uh, professionals, um, they we talked about it on our last podcast where mm-hmm. a group of the guys from that attended the Pokemon Go Turn Fest, um, they uh, created a 
class action lawsuit against them. Yeah. Um, these guys could get together if they're professionals and they put in the time for this tournament. Mm-hmm. Then that's that's their work. They deserve to be compensated. It for really their is. Work. And like more importantly, uh, you know, it's one thing if it's like okay, well, the winner gets like a twenty dollar gift card to Denny's and everybody else just gets to shake hands and have fun. But right, like right. they said, there was an agreement. There's like signed shit that says we're going to pay you X amount of dollars and they haven't paid them anything in seven months. That's pretty bad. And it's even yeah, worse that this crazy. site, you know, was able to reach out and actually get a hold of the the organizers and they were like, yeah, I don't think anybody's ever getting any money. Like, Ugh. that's that's a problem. And, uh, you know, it's... Aside from, like, having some Evo fighting tournament stuff on ESPN 8, the Ocho... Yeah. Uh, it really seems like the outro, of course. Uh, you know, esports like are not really going to be taken seriously until esports takes itself seriously in a lot of ways. You know. Um, yeah. So hopefully this will be a good chance for some of these players to be like, okay, look, dude, like you're going to pay me, or we're going to sue your company, or we're going to sue the individual organizers if it comes down to that. You know, because somebody got the money. The money had to come from somewhere. You don't just, you know. You don't just make a free event and then say, oh, the winner gets $1,000 if you don't have $1,000 somewhere. So they have this money somewhere. They're just not giving it out. So Yeah, I, uh, I do wonder where that money uh, ended up coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm sure I mean, they sold tickets or you know had online yeah. viewers or something. Yeah, tickets, online viewers, and, uh, and more, I can imagine, being thrown into that hat. You know, like... Yeah. Um, they probably had a backer of some sort, you know, mm-hmm. uh, throw in a lot of money. I know, like, soft drink companies like to attach to tournaments every now and again yep. uh, and pay a bit of money so they can have their stuff advertised during the tournament or whatever. Um, if it is that big of a high-profile tournament, I, I have no idea on... And I certainly, yeah. like, uh, this is, you know, we don't know the dollar amounts. This could, I mean, it could very well come down to, like, the number one winner could have been entitled to a $50 GameStop gift card or something. You know, we have no idea. Yeah. But, like, it's the principle of the thing, really. Like, Yeah, um, it really is. I, I can't imagine there's too big of a fighting game scene in Sweden. Even if they <laughs> are bringing in, like, other Scandinavian countries or, you know, if they're bringing in even some, like, EU area like it still is not that much so right um you know i, I imagine it wasn't like a five million dollar pot or anything yeah it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds um mm. because like you said they really the community has to take stuff like this seriously if they want to be taken seriously right so you know that's where they're at we'll see how that what how, how that unfolds though yeah um, um i i wanted to bring up um Something interesting that I saw. Mm. Um, WWE 2K18 released some screenshots of what the comparison would be between 2K17 and 2K18. Um, And it's kind of staggering. You can see uh, with 17, it, you know, they supported that, uh, that last gen. They were still having the 360 and PS3 games being made, mm. whereas uh, the you know the next gen you can just tell 18 it the fidelity is just so much higher and so much more real. Um, they can get more uh, like 
like hair cards alone mm-hmm. on the screen. Just look at the character's hair. It's it's night and day. So um, I wonder if people seeing this are starting to get that hint. You know, it's time to move on. Yeah. The old gen is really holding us back if we're going to make stuff for, you know, that last gen. Well, you know, if you're really pursuing graphical fidelity, uh, that was the main improvement, I think, between the, the you know, PS3, 360 era to now. Um, the main, it's, it's little things. It is like, you know, you can have more, like, detailed hair on a character model, or you can have more, you know, the water effects look better because we can fit that many more, you know, particles interacting with each other on screen or whatever. It's like little things, but when you put them all together, I mean, also in these screenshots, you can really see the lighting to change, you know? Right. Um, and those kind of little things add up to a big, big difference. So yeah, one of the, one of the big things that always took me out i've been playing uh, okay so i haven't played a wwe 2k mm-hmm. game i don't think i've ever actually bought a wwe 2k game but back in the day one of the most games that i played that one of the games i played the most of on the playstation one uh-huh. was smackdown 2 and it had um it had this they had this story mode where you could create a character or play one of the wrestlers and you could play indefinitely as long as you wanted Mm-hmm. And you could play it with a friend, so there was no end. You could play it, you know. You could progress into the year three thousand if you wanted. Yeah. Um, and you know, title switching hands, and it kind of works just like you know, just like you'd imagine watching an episode of uh, Raw or SmackDown or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that always took, and I still think it takes players out of the experience, is their crowd. Mm-hmm. Um. Back then, when I would, when I was playing the older games, the crowd was literally a a flat plane with Ooh. it was a cardboard cutout. It was a flat plane yeah. that just had a person, and they would move from one position to the other, one position to the other, because they mm-hmm. had to put, you know, all, like, the, all the resources had to go towards the the competitors, right? And they would have three hundred of those, so you know they would drop the. Um, you know, they would drop it as much as they can, and if they could get away with not making a full model, that's what they'd do. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, we're looking at something kind of different, and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see the 2K17 versus 2K18 crowd, mm-hmm. just to see how that changes, whether it be animation or um, you know what the each you know what each individual audience person is doing, and they'll have repeats, of course. Um, but with advancements like we had with, uh, um, well, which Assassin's Creed was it? There was an Assassin's Creed that had the ability to put like a ridiculous amount of people. It was like on it, screen. At it would have been Unity. Was it Unity? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Didn't really work out so well, but I mean that code well, worked fine. That code worked fine. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, th- I think it'll be interesting. I can't wait to kind of see more of that come out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I'm not, I, I really don't condone the yearly games. It's never been something that I yeah. get on board with. Um, it, it's it's always interesting to watch and see how things are unfolding. It's like they're almost developing at a slower pace, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though they do things every year. 
So well, that I mean, know. it kind of forces them to develop at a slower pace because you have to completely rebuild every year instead of being able to, you know, do it like a chunky, beefy update. Right. Um, I think that I hope that some of these yearly franchises will see the value in, you know, we'll make a now that we're kind of into the life cycle of the PS4, the Xbox One, um, you know, switches out now. Hopefully, people will kind of maybe. I don't think it's a risk, but maybe somebody will take the risk finally to say, okay, we're going to release WWE 2K18 and 2K19 is going to be a $40 patch. And 2K20 is going to be a $40 patch and then we'll make a 2K21 separate game. That's $60. Yeah, just having those like roster updates would be fine. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can do little things like add really major... Um, you know, changes to storyline, like new random events that can happen that will just get cycled into the mix. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of little things you can do to yeah, do more than just a it. roster change. Because I can see why people would be upset paying for, you know, paying too much for a roster change. But right. still. And, I mean, I wasn't even thinking monetarily, let's, you know, let, let's put a value on this and make it a patch. Like, you can win a lot of faith with your audience mm-hmm. by, by saying we're going to release this. We're going to release this game, and there won't be a game next year. Mm-hmm. But the year after, maybe there'll be a game. Yeah, like even if they wanted to go that route. Yeah. But for the life of that game that you're getting, you're going to get free patches to, you know, roster updates. You know, of course, fixes and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. as well, you know, attire changes when new gear pops up on the shop and in the show when their entrance changes and stuff like that. You'll you yeah. know, you'll that's get all idea. that. That's a good idea too, because then you don't split the player base. Look at look at okay. My biggest advocate for this is Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Look at Overwatch. Yep. It is. If you go to Twitch right now and you know you open a side tab if you're watching this live, go to Twitch. You'll find Overwatch in the top five mm-hmm. games being played right now, and it's a year old. So yeah, it's, there, there it's, you go. It's all about that community reach. It's all about that you know continuing support, and people kind of have to have faith that you're going to continue and support it. That's something we were talking about in the past with Destiny, where people had the faith on Destiny One, and they showed up and they played. A lot of people played after they were no longer having fun with the game because they had faith in the developer. You know, right. And I mean, I, you know, I was one of them and as it, well, you know, whether it paid off or not, like if you can get that faith and if you can get some goodwill going, uh, I think we can finally break some of this yearly shit, but it, it really just drags games down. And I mean, you can look, even looking at these comparisons of 18 and 17, you know, 17 did have to support the previous consoles. I get it. But yeah. 17 looks like a game that could have come out in 15. Right. Or 14. Or possibly a really good game that came out in 13. You know? It's not super impressive. Not at all. And it's looking much better for uh, 18. The sculpts were fine, but the lighting needed Mm -hmm. an overhaul, and it's just the system couldn't do it. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, just bring that, like... uh, Sure, I don't play Overwatch every day anymore. I don't play it. It's not my go-to game every day. But... If, when they release a, like a event or something, you know I'll be right there and I'll be playing it. Exactly. Um, 
Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was thinking I, next. I um, think that's a good rant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah, next. Go ahead. Uh, uh, let's hit on the um, kind of the story of unsung story, huh? Little pun in there. Um, <laughs> so this is a uh, this is a game that I've kind of been trying to follow to some extent for a while. Um, it's basically uh, one of the I think it was the director of the uh, Final Fantasy Tactics games. Um, they kind of had this whole Kickstarter where they were like, okay, we've got the guy that made the Final Fantasy Tactics games, and he's going to be working with us on a new Tactics-style you know, JRPG in, that, in the Final Fantasy Tactics style called Unsung Story. And um, originally it was... Uh, the company that was making it was Playdeck, which I think they've also made a lot of like... Uh, tabletop games and they've made some like digitizations of tabletop games um and this this was a while back so let me let me get some exact years just so we can uh kind of you know have something to reference here but um yeah so uh so it was uh 2014 um this game got over six hundred thousand dollars uh, in their goal and they you know they were able to make some um, some deals it was there's some potential publishers that wanted to be involved uh, there was a lot of stuff going on and over time like this company was just very bad at communicating actually uh, I mean we're looking at this article here live from Game Informer uh, but I actually saw a, an in-depth article and I wish I would have saved the link to that one but it was like somebody who had backed the game and actually encouraged others to back the game. And then they had a monthly, they had every update they received from the Kickstarter and from Playdeck. And they just, you know, they, as a journalist, they had reached out several times and gotten comics and they published all those in this article. But, uh, you know, this company in, in, uh, 2015, they were like, Oh, well, uh, you know, they were silent for like seven, eight, nine months. Uh, with no updates, they said, okay, so we're going to release a player versus player beta to some of our backers, and uh, that way you can have something to play. And everybody's like, oh no, dude, this was supposed to be a single player tactics game. Like, we never heard about player versus player. And as time That's went on, um, in 2016, they said, uh, you know, basically they would, every month or two, they would say, okay, we're going to communicate with you guys more often and we're going to give you an update next month. And then like three or four months would go by of silence. And then they'd come back, oh, okay, we're, we got some more funding and we're, we're speeding up on the project and we'll get back to you guys next month and let you know. And then three or four months would go by of silence. And they just did it over and over again for, you know, a couple of years here. So in uh, 2016, they said, okay, we got proper funding. We're working on a playable build. Uh, we are not doing refunds. And then in early 2017, they just said, we're not working on the game now. We're going to have to, we're going to have to put it on hold. And, yeah. um, you know, finally, um, you know, a couple days ago they said, okay, we're passing on, uh, they're, they're basically handing off all development on the game to this company called little orbit. Little um, orbit. little orbit has, um, they uh they have not worked on a lot, but some of the games that they've uh, they're some of the games they've published have been Barbie and her sisters colon Puppy Rescue, and oh boy. Kung Fu Panda colon Showdown of Legendary Legends. And uh yeah the original um okay it was uh y Yasumi Matsuno, 
uh, which is the Final Fantasy Tactics writer and director. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, they only ever... The, the original company was only ever involved with him as far as making uh, some like conceptual stuff. And then he was gone doing something else. And um, it's unknown if Little Orbit is in contact with Matsuno. Um, they, uh, Little Orbit actually said that they have to completely scrap everything that's been made and start from scratch. Oh. Uh, I mean, can you Whoa. imagine? Like, I can't... I, I don't know. Like, the... We don't know what happened to that $600,000. We don't know why Playdeck couldn't do anything. We don't know why Playdeck was trying to change course two or three times in the middle of development. Um, Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's really odd. uh, It feels like a story of their, you know, eyes are bigger in their stomach. Yeah, and like it's that's a lot of money. um, That's a lot of money to play with and to... I mean, it's it's not a lot of money for... It's certainly not a lot of money for a Final Fantasy game. Those things no, no, take not, decades. Not a, not a, but, uh, but, you know, for, for Kickstarter, that, that was pretty successful. And, yeah. you know, if they needed more money than that, they should ask for more. And that's enough to, you know, have people on the payroll, you know, a decent group of, you know, a decent team on the payroll. Mm. As well, you know, getting acquiring all the proper licenses and stuff. Um I feel like that's plenty, especially for what you're getting, you know, a Final Fantasy tactic-style game. Uh-huh. So, I, I don't know. That's that's really interesting, and it's weird that... Uh, it's weird that they just kind of handed it off, you know? Yeah, and they, I, you know, we don't... Like, oh, guess what? You guys details. aren't getting your money back. Yeah, you guys aren't getting your money back. We're not giving refunds, and now this company that made uh, adventure time jake and finn investigation is going to be taking it over i mean okay not to be harsh like everybody's got to get their start somewhere and i'm sure they've done a good job with this stuff like it's if you make a barbie game that charts they've clearly yeah they've clearly got a contract with like cartoon network yeah that's great that's huge yeah that's i mean Um, they've made adventure time they've made uh they also have something with DreamWorks because they have mm-hmm. Kung Fu Panda and Penguins of Madagascar. Oh wow! Uh, Monster High, Barbie. They have they have a decent little list of stuff. Um, yeah. So like you know, it's not to like rag on it because it's not my style of game or it's not my demographic or whatever. Like, right. I mean, Unsung Story is something that I would really love to get into. And in fact, um, you know, long time listeners will remember that I mentioned uh, Arcadian Atlas in the past, which is something I backed on Kickstarter, which you know, a Final Fantasy tactics style game. So, like, I'm really into that style. I want more of those. So, all uh-huh. all I can hope is that they do something great with Unsung Story and really, uh, you know, are able to make it, you know, first off, anything playable, and second off, something good <laughs> would be awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, I actually yeah. heard, too, that, uh, you know, Little Orbit just had, like, a very small, um, you know, where they said, we have to completely scrap and redo. We're starting from scratch on this game. We're going back to conceptual stuff. And uh, they actually said that they have not seen a penny of that six hundred thousand dollars. So I don't know. So how did they? It's possible that they just said, you know, we will buy the franchise from you for zero dollars. Right. You know, that's the IP, I guess. Uh, That's entirely possible. That's real weird. But um, you know, and if Playdeck is just not capable of making it happen, they might have done that. It's possible that Little Orbit has a little bit of Cartoon Network money laying around and might have bought the rights to it. 
Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, play deck definitely, I mean, if you have, you know, three people, let's say they had a designer, a programmer, and an artist, each getting paid $60,000, they already lost money, you know? Um, yeah. You know, just from the amount of time this game's been in development, the amount of time that people have had to spend in damage control and probably doing and redoing and redoing the same job over and over again. So, um, you know, if, if they had a staff of 10 people working on this game, they ran out of their Kickstarter money in one year. And I can totally see that. So it's, they, they definitely have been losing money on it. So I can see them just making a deal, just handing it off. I can see them making a deal and taking a little bit of cash to hand it off. Um, I can see them making a deal and saying, we'll let you use this IP and you can make the game and you have full creative control, but we get 5% of the 10% of the profit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of potentiality there. And I think we'll hear more from little orbit. Uh, God, it's depressing that the Barbie company is going to be more <laughs> professional than play deck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, that's, it's where, really that's weird. where it really comes in. Like as much as, you know, I'm not going to like shame them or anything, but like, uh, they're gonna beat out Playdex performance. I mean, probably within a few days here. So yeah, uh, that's pretty rough. I I do want to point out, looking at this uh, Game Informer article uh, here on the side, they have the ranking of Dream Daddy's greatest dads from uh-huh. worst to best. You so, got my attention. Um, just another article to go ahead and look at if you guys get the time. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, what else do we what do we have left? What do we have left? Um uh kind of the bottom half here. Yeah. Uh I'll jump into um this tech demo um for uh Death Stranding that they showed off uh at SIGGRAPH just a couple days ago. No, maybe a day ago. Um yeah, it was yesterday that this article was posted. Um this tech presentation was a demo uh and the, or it, it was just a, a small demo showing a few of the cool things mm-hmm. that um, that the game's going to be able to do running on Gorilla's Decima engine. Um, might need to refresh this because it's acting kind of funny. Uh-huh. Give me one second here and let me refresh it for those of you watching. Um, but basically, what it uh, what they showed off was like the height of fog uh, model and uh, the atmospheric scattering system uh, just some of the stuff that they you know that we've seen in in the the physical demo that we watched um, and it's showing it running uh, in 4k which is uh, pretty impressive it looks it looks great it shows time of day change and more um, and uh, it's kind of like death stranding is one of those games it's like what can we like what can we get? Like, mm-hmm. we want to see more. So, you know, kind of just what taking what you can get, basically, um, for this uh, interesting open world experience that they're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys don't remember, uh, done by Hideo Kojima, you know, now of Kojima Productions, um, showing off different people like, uh, what's his name, Mad uh, Mickelson? Is that his name? Yep, yep. Mads. Um no, uh, Norman Reedus and Guillermo del Toro. So, uh, I mean, it has it has some star power. It has um, one of the biggest names in video games mm-hmm. uh, helming it. 
and it's built on a video game engine that made one of the best games from earlier this year. Um, yeah, Horizon right. Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that they showed this at um, the during a tech presentation at SIGGRAPH. So I kind of expect to see um, maybe something new at uh, PSX um, at the end of the year. So we'll see what happens uh, with Death Stranding. So uh, the best thing to do would be to probably just give us a like over on Facebook. Um, As soon as something pops up for that, Mm -hmm. it will definitely be up there. So instead of waiting for the podcast to go live... (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely, like, uh, I don't know that I would say that I'm surprised to see this done already. But, I, but like, I honestly didn't think we'd see anything at all, the actual game, uh, for a while. Like, everything we've seen up to this point has very clearly been, um, you know, CG. Mm-hmm. But this is a really cool scene. It looks like it's that scene from the game, or it's something very similar, or right. the scene from the uh, second trailer we saw there. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. It like um, so I'm, you know, there. It seems like they're coming along. It's possible, though unlikely, that Kojima has come up with a more efficient way to make games because typically he's like a year or two late. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, again, for video games is not horrible. Like, you know, let's look at Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> it's like a decade late. So, uh, you know, again, another game that came out, um, Last Guardian, about a decade late, two systems late. Yeah, so, he, I mean, I, I can't give him much flack uh, because he left a, a company that was not very good and... Under some extreme conditions. I would say. Under some yeah, super extreme conditions, um, and uh, you know, kind of headed for higher ground, and he actually came out on top. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, some of the fans of some bigger franchises are basically what's gonna, you know, what suffered during that during that split, but yeah. um, you know, uh, Metal Gear and Silent Hill and the like, but. Um, it kind of paved way for something new and something fresh, which is um, always huge within the video game industry. So, yeah. And uh, again, I, you know, it, I've said this before too, where like, I'm not a big fan of the, the Metal Gear Solid games. Um, I've played a little bit of them. So I, you know, it's not just that I don't like the aesthetic or anything. I'm actually into what I've heard about the story and, you know, the things that are going on. It's just, that it's not my style of game. I don't really like the controls. Um, I probably wasn't going to get Silent Hills just because I could barely make it through Resident Evil 7. And uh, when I say yeah. make it through, I mean I'm about halfway through and I'm like, okay, that's enough of that. So, uh, yeah. you know, just to be able to make it through like that beginning hour demo was a, a push for me. So, uh, you know, I like I haven't supported him in the past necessarily like with my money. I've supported him, you know, with my heart, I guess. <laughs> but uh yeah. You know, I'm like I'm excited to see what this game is. Even if it's not my style, I'm glad it's being made. Um, I know it's going to make a lot of people happy. Kind of, you know, sort of. No matter what it is, it's going to make some people happy that he's able to continue making games, uh, even yeah, with this I, big enemy coming after him. You know, I think uh, I think this game can be uh, 
it, it, it can be a lot of things, but it could be a huge middle finger if it mm-hmm. takes shade of Metal Gear and he's creating another huge story. Yeah. That is not Metal Gear, but it's in the same vein of mm-hmm. me, uh, like as Metal Gear. So um, if he can make that happen, and that I mean, who knows? That could be legally what's holding him up from showing stuff. But that's possible. It could be. I mean, he's known because, to I mean, throw a giant finger at like corporations, anyways, in his games. Right. So I can only imagine that he's got some extra fuel for that fire now. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, this could be awesome. I mean, when it comes out, it could be, it could be that mix of Silent Hill and Metal mm-hmm. Gear. You know, it could be like that big open game that we were thinking. You know, that we were gonna get. You know, thinking mixing um, that Metal Gear play style with like the horror of something like Silent Hills could be just groundbreaking so you know mm. we'll, we'll see um kojima's one of the brightest minds in the industry so yeah I, i'm not too worried yeah cool uh if you want to jump on over to the um xbox wireless adapter that you were bringing up earlier yeah um so basically um you know i've i've kind of experimented with some of these some of them uh, gray market in the past but uh yeah there's going to be a new um Xbox One wireless controller adapter uh, for specifically for Windows 10. Um, so it's kind of like it's basically the size of a flash drive. Um, it's going to be 25 bucks, and it'll allow you to sync your Xbox One wireless controllers, uh, you know, consistently to the PC. Um, that's a big thing for me because I got a lot of games on Steam and you know other platforms on the PC that I prefer to play with controllers and. Uh, like I said, I've got some like off-market, um, not necessarily allowed to use with Microsoft products items that uh, you know sunk like 360 controllers. And um, typically, Windows 10 wanted you to plug in your controller, and I just don't have a pluggable controller. I'm not a fan of wired controllers in general. Um, mm-hmm. So this is, uh, it's, I mean, it's it's already interesting just to start out with. And uh, this is coming out on the uh, August 8th, by the way, if anybody's interested. And uh, you can also sync up to eight controllers to this single device. So that's really fascinating. That's really crazy. Especially if you are making some games with that Game Maker Studio key that you just got on Humble Bundle. Make something eight-player. You can have eight people playing off of your PC. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, like, that's really cool, and it's, you know... I don't know why they just what like what made them determine eight controllers was the right amount. That's, yeah, that's, that's a very weird amount. Uh, but yeah, that's really cool. Um, so um, I'm definitely gonna yeah. pick that up when that comes out. You know, it, you if you have an Xbox, I mean, this is a great thing to pick up. I mean, mm-hmm. 25 bucks and you can sync all of your controllers for your Xbox One uh, to it. So you have to um, go buy more controllers to sync them. Yeah, you can. You know, it even works with the Elite Wireless controller. Yep. And everything that you get from the Xbox Design Lab. Which yeah. the Xbox Design Lab is the greatest thing for controllers that have ever existed in video games. Definitely, I don't understand why the other big companies haven't jumped in on that. Mm-hmm. Like, like having custom uh, um, switch uh, paddles, controllers. Or whatever they're called. Yeah, what are they called? The um, something com switches, Joy Cons. Joy-Cons. Um, and the PlayStation 4 controllers. Yeah, I mean, 
That would be great. Yeah. You could, yeah. There's so many different variants that... And well, also, like... Yeah, this yeah. device is, is awesome for that, so... Yeah, part of the thing um, is, too, like, if you're trying to sync your, like, PS4 controllers or, you know, 360 or Xbox One controllers now, you have to use a lot of, like, third-party stuff. Yeah. And uh, this is just going to include all that all in one $25 package, which is not, a, not bad at all. Yeah, and it's, you know, like, first party, so... Right, exactly. Yeah, it's Microsoft-supported, so when you do something to fuck up your controller, you can... It's still under warranty. Right. <laughs> so that's rad. Um, I, I The next thing I just kind of wanted to point out, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about Dragon Quest uh, Eleven and how it... You know, like, what it was last... Uh, mm-hmm. On the last podcast, last week's podcast. Um, it was one of our... Um, new games releasing for that week and uh since release over the two first days that it was out it sold two million copies um only available uh in should i say asian market i I believe it was only available in japan specifically okay see i mean i'm not sure exactly on uh yeah i'm not i'm not positive i made its long-awaited debut in japan last week despite short time on the market the game is made an impressive impact so far mm-hmm. uh, that's hard to get those publication kind of... a, a japanese publication reports that the rpg sold over two million copies copies in its first two days of available mm-hmm. or uh, first two days of availability via uh, Ga- uh gamasutra yeah it's not gamasutra but um but yeah, there are uh, two different editions. There's uh, PS4 and 3DS versions. Um, still kind of speculated on which edition will be coming west uh, for 2018. We're kind of hoping both. Um, and if I had to pick one, I would say just bring us the bigger of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we'll see what happens. This game um, out about a week, and it's it's crushing it. So. Maybe that'll be fuel for the fire, and we might even get it a bit earlier. Yeah. So that um, can be a thing, too. Yeah, there's actually... I mean, you know, the series is so popular in Japan that there is a Dragon Quest, like, custom skin PS4. Like, an official PS4 that's Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a Metal Slime 3DS XL uh, from the series. So, um, you know, they Square Enix did say, that, you know, Dragon Quest Eleven is coming to the West... Uh, sometime in 2018 and we'll you know we'll hear more about that as it comes um but yeah i mean like that's that's pretty impressive numbers especially when you consider that in general console gaming hasn't been doing as well in japan um they're moving a lot more toward mobile uh kind of as the u.s and kind of western markets move toward like mobile phone they're moving a lot more mobile platform which is why the vita is a successful system in japan um, we just don't have that that market here, I guess. But um, yeah, so uh, you know, this is proving this, and I think Persona Five, proving that the consoles are still totally viable in Japan. You just got to get the right title to them. Right. Yeah, that Metal Slime one, uh, 2DS looks actually really cool. Yeah, I check that out. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, yeah, and then the uh, I think kind of our final update, unless anything happens to pop out at us. Um, the PlayStation Plus subscription price is going up uh, across all of Europe, so um, it looks like it's it's trying to, uh, you know, PlayStation has said they're trying to like equalize market prices. Um, right. Now that said, it is 
a little expensive for what we're used to in the U.S. Um, so yeah, there's there's basically like an email that went out to all PlayStation Plus members in Europe, and uh, you know it was like, well, we're going to be increasing, and you know they they do have some specific stuff like, okay, so with PlayStation Plus, what you're actually really paying for is online play, right. but you get these free games. So it says, you know, this this article on Polygon does specifically call out, like, uh, you know, in, in uh, calendar year 2016, Sony on PlayStation Plus, uh, there were $1,150 in free games. Like, you can't really shit on that. Uh, so, right. yeah, you know, the prices um, in the European Union, and I guess uh, this article is a little, uh, I don't know, what would you call that, racist? Um it's kind of leaving out, like, there are plenty of countries in Europe that are not part of the European Union, and they access right. the EU servers or whatever, so, I mean, I'm not sure what they're, what the prices going on there are, but um, it's going from, a yearly subscription is going from uh, 49.99 euro right now up to 59.99 euro. Um, in the United Kingdom, it's going to go from 39.99 up to 49.99, so... Um, I think Which, uh, the euro is about, or uh, sorry, the um, pound is about thirty percent stronger than the U.S. dollar. So it's about a a pound is worth about a dollar thirty. So right. um, it's going up to about sixty bucks, so about equal to what we pay. Uh, the European Union's paying an extra five bucks when you convert it over to American, and I don't understand why. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's really weird. Um, Some and VAT I feel like bullshit. they're doing this. Yeah, I feel like they're doing this because um, Europe didn't get that price hike. Uh, yeah, we we caught when a price we hike got the in price the U.S. Uh, what was that last year? Yeah, last year. Yeah, um, it jumped up where we were paying fifty, now we're paying sixty for PlayStation Plus for the mm -hmm. year. Um, they're pretty much on par with that now, right. and uh, right. it's funny we do have um, uh, a, a fair amount of friends that live in Europe in various places, and. Uh, it, it, it kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because before they're like, oh man, that sucks. When we get the price hike and now they're getting the price hike and they're just like, this is bullshit. Yeah. So I, mean, I would it, agree too though, because um, we were kind of talking about this ahead of time and I, you know, hopefully we have some European or, you know, really anywhere other than the United States that can comment on this. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think in the U.S., Maybe anywhere other than Asia, we probably get the best advantage for PlayStation Plus because, right. you know, how many gamers in the U.S. are on or subscribed to PlayStation Plus? I imagine that the North American server is more than um, the, uh, the EU. I think usually EU is split to EU East and EU West. So I imagine that we have probably double what either one of them, what either one of them have. So, you know, our service, I think we get a little bit more value per per dollar or whatever um you know i don't have the stats to back that up but i i just i know in europe in general pc gaming is more popular um i mean that just generally they just have less people and then that's why i say asia probably gets the best value because i mean just china alone is you know a, a sixth of the world population <laughs> so uh you know again yeah. i don't know how big these install bases are but i i think uh kind of equalizing these these prices is probably a good idea but it sucks when you're the one that feels it in your wallet you know yeah it's just you know for the company i feel like it's 
It's a smart probably. move. Probably. It, it's a smart move. You know, they don't have to worry about um, too much change, you know, aside from the national currency or whatever for the mm-hmm. area um, variation. So um, I was trying to look around to see if I could find uh, any information on like it. Like subscriber but, numbers? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm looking in the right spot. I so. don't know where that would be. It's probably in, like, earnings calls that Sony does. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that the North American base is much larger. Mm. Um, I remember, if it's any indication, I remember on the PS3 they had that, uh, um, that it was like a folding protein app that was right by PlayStation Home for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, um, it, when you were running that, what it was effectively was what it was supposed to be doing is crunching numbers and trying to find a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. And when you were on that menu, you could watch several different things happen. You could watch the numbers move. You could watch the proteins being, you know, the protein being folded um, and it creating new, um, like molecules. So. Mm-hmm. Um, or in the background, there was a, a globe that was spinning and it had lights depending on where people, you know, the light got brighter in areas where people uh-huh. were on. So, um, you would see in America, you know, the East coast almost fully lit up. Um, most of some of the South lit up, um, West coast fully lit up yeah. middle of the country, fairly bright. Um, the further you got West, the, dimmer it got you mm-hmm. know um and uh and canada was pretty all right europe was usually um lit up and japan was on fire um <laughs> it was essentially the sun of that thing yeah. uh, that's, that's but uh yeah i mean it i i don't think the num i think the numbers would be closer than we would expect but i don't think it's uh i, I don't think the European market is anywhere near what yeah. we have, what America, yeah. the NA market has. I mean, because we are effectively, um, you know, huge land masses of people. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, I mean, we include, um, you know, the U.S. in general has got a pretty large population. Um, right. It's among the, I mean, I, I can't give exact numbers here, but it's, am- it's among some of the most populous countries, even when you consider that the two biggest are like 1.8 and 1.7 billion each. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have about 350 million, something like that. I don't know. But, uh, we, I mean, the, uh, the, the North American servers also including Mexico, uh, it's including Puerto Rico. I guess if anybody in Cuba has a PlayStation, it probably includes them. Uh, Canada, some parts of Central America sometimes. So, um, you know, it's not just the one country. It's, it's a couple that are all known to be pretty big into gaming. Yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's something that uh, I guess they have to look forward to. Huh. When does that happen? Um, um, I think it'll just be for... Uh, they'll, they'll probably start it. I think of what they did in the U.S. was they started it in the holidays, and then whenever you went, whatever was your time to renew, that price was in place. Yeah, so August 31st. So Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It looks like that's the time. So um, get out there and <laughs> buy an extra year oh, yeah. for when that, happened that in the... cheaper price. Yeah, when that happened in the U.S., people would... Uh, well, it's, it's went up a couple times in the U.S., but people would all flock to the stores and load up on the buy cards year, or whatever. Yeah, buy, buy a year, year ahead of time. Two. A couple of yeah. years. Yeah. 
just to save an extra five bucks or whatever it amounts to be, you know? <laughs> right. It's, I mean, I, bucks, I think I effectively here it was 10, or yeah, it was 10. Yeah. So, I, not really a... Not really a huge deal, but I guess when you think about it, you know, yeah, 10 bucks I mean, 10 bucks. I'll so, take 10 bucks in my pocket, yeah. Exactly. For sure. Um, cool. But that looks like that is it for our uh, our stream for August 7th. Um, we'll, we will be, of course, uh, back next week, mm-hmm. um, the 14th, with, uh, you know, you'll be getting it the 14th, our next podcast uh if you're watching it live it'll be um probably the 10th or 11th that we'll have our live stream so you can catch that facebook or uh, twitch.tv backslash mammoth games inc every week you can catch the podcast live and then you can pick it up on podcasts streaming around the world um itunes google play or host podbean um as always, at the end of every cast, if you get a chance, facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc., uh, you can interact with us and uh, check out all the news on the daily. Um, and if you want to know when we're going to go live, uh, at Mammoth Games Inc. on Twitter. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. You know, If you want to see us play Fortnite, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter would be the place to, uh, <laughs> to check out uh, and get all that information. Um, but yeah, is uh, you have anything else that you wanna? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did wanna um, just. I'm I'm still kind of working on uh, you know, if anybody's curious about the uh, uh, our our kind of live play Dungeons and Dragons uh, videos, uh, those are gonna be going up on YouTube at some point here. I'm still trying to think of the format. Um, I'm kind of hearing conflicting reports on whether it's better to have longer videos or higher frequency of posting. So. Um, I'm going to kind of play around with that a little bit, but if you do go to Twitter, um, follow at Digital Dungeon One. Uh, as you can imagine, there was quite a few of those taken, so I had to look at all my options there. But uh, that's right. going to post out the link to um, the the YouTube video. I, I've kind of been sharing interesting game launches on there and kind of liking my own comments on my other Twitter profile, so... Uh, everybody knows how funny and cool I am. So that's a good place to check out. We'll be posting through there and hopefully that will, uh, be an easier way than like me trying to give out a YouTube link. That's got a bunch of weird letters in random order. Right. You can also get all that information. Um, when we go live, uh, from the MGI Twitter yep. account, and I'm sure there'll be something posts on Facebook and all the other social media. Um, if you are following us, uh, here on twitch.tv and, um, catch it here um Mm -hmm. we are going to be doing our next one tomorrow yep tomorrow uh Uh, well yeah it'll be uh saturday 11 a.m or well saturday yeah yep saturday Saturday. 11 a.m so um that'll probably be a couple hours to check out um yeah and if you did miss it and you were watching this uh podcast and you've missed the the next live stream that we're currently talking about um you can always catch our next live stream uh which will be announced you know in the uh, Mm -hmm. weeks coming forward but you can also go into uh the on twitch.tv the mammoth games highlights and there you'll find a folder um our DD let's play so you can always check out the full thing uninterrupted with uh um all of the profanity and terrible things that are happening uh just right there raw so um i'm planning on leaving that in cool that's what they make mature accounts for okay 
But cool, that's uh, that's it for the stream for August 7th. Um, as always, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feedback, just drop us a line on any of our social media platforms. But uh, for Mammoth Games Inc., I'm Night Swarm. And I'm Filtercord. Cool. Thanks for hanging out, guys. <laughs>